Hey feminist friends and welcome to Real Feminism, the podcast where we discuss films from an intersectional feminist perspective. I'm your host Joe, and today I have two whole co-hosts, can you believe? I'm joined today by Corrine and Hedwig. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Nice to have you both here. It's been a while since I had two people on. Yeah, I feel like this feels like a it feels like a party. <laughs> it does. It's gonna be great Lee cutting this. Um so how are you guys before we get into the movie? How is life? Yeah, okay. Sort of getting back to everything after Christmas, I feel. I managed to bike up a hill today that I haven't managed to bike up forever for like a year so I'm very happy with myself that I did that's that that's great well done yeah yeah I'm very proud and I wasn't even that out of breath it was hurting and I my thighs are still hurting but it, to be honest it was fine so I'm very happy about that the second thing I wanted to tell you about is that I bought my first like piece of actual art Ooh. so before I've usually just bought like prints and stuff like that but did I tell you that I found an envelope at my parents' house with 500 pounds in it? What? That was no. mine. That was your, what? Yes. <laughs> oh my God, there's so many things now. Okay, so at my parents' house. Also, my sister won two grand on the lottery at the sa- on the same day. Like it was oh just- my God. Yeah. What is happening to you guys? <laughs> yes, I know. It was like a crazy day. I was cleaning out loads of stuff at my parents' house from my like child room. And when I was like 19, 20, I used to arrange a lot of clubs and like nights and DJ. I was DJing bits as well. And then, you know, like in the sort of nightclub business, you can get paid in cash. So I think I just had gotten paid and just that envelope had just like slipped inside like a folder or something. And I just forgot about it. And now I just found like 500 pounds. I was dancing, screaming. Alex thought I had like a heart attack or something because I was screaming so much. (laughs) But that, yeah. So with these 500 pounds, I bought myself a really expensive dress. Nice. Which is very lovely that I think, yeah, I'm going to have for my birthday. Mm. Oh, yeah. Also, on my my birthday, my 30th is coming. Oh, my God. I'm just like (laughs) having like verbal diarrhea. (laughs) Today, we are discussing the movie that is Hedwig's life. (laughs) Okay, your art. What's happening with the art? My art, my art. <laughs> oh, these 500 pounds. I was like, I'm going to buy myself a nice dress. And then I was like, I, I'm going to treat myself to something else. So I bought photo print from a, an amazing photographer called Steph Wilson. Mm-hmm. It was 200 pounds, which I think in art world, maybe it's not that much money. But for me, I've never bought anything like that I put on a wall that is this expensive. So I'm very happy. Uh, she's an amazing photographer. That is cool. Has she put like paint on the? Yeah, it's like a water. Ooh. It's like a water body, like a body in water with like paint over it. Yeah. But so one last thing on art. <laughs> I'm just gonna wrap this up. Okay. <clears throat> I've been talking to a lot of my friends that are like illustrators and uh, like visual artists of any kind of sort, and they've been really struggling in the pandemic. And then I was thinking, if you find stuff like this if you if I happen to come across like some extra money like I think I'm just gonna start investing in like my friends and people that I admire art and especially like women that I admire it's because it is a good investment and it could like it'll actually make up someone's livelihood that's my end how are you guys (laughs) I'm actually fine (laughs) um no so you know like I left London so now I'm in Paris (sighs) 
and but it's also uh it's a big change so kind of stressful and overwhelming but good overall I'm good too I'm still moving in with Lee we've signed our tenancy and now I'm just like I want to start packing but it's too early so we've got a month to go so I'm having to calm myself down because I'm a little bit like a Jurassic bunny just bouncing off the walls and yeah I'm overexcited but I've been sorting out loads of shit because it turns out I just have I just have too much stuff like until you move I just don't realize I'm like why have I got this why have I kept this why do I think I might need this one tiny pot that might fit something perfectly in it well why did you keep that all this yeah. time that's good it's very cathartic cleaning out shit God, yeah true I freaking love it and I've been selling lots of stuff on eBay and Vinted and I do get a little like buzz when someone buys something even though it might be like a CD for two quid I'm like oh my god I'm getting rid of something and I'm getting money in return shall we get into talking about the film then yes let's do it wonderful so we are talking about the old guard today which came out in 2020 which in my head I was like oh it only came out last year and then I remembered that it's 2020 oh yeah oh my god 2022 And I was like, oh my God, it came out two years ago. Fuck. Um, so it's a Netflix movie that's got Charlize Theron in it and is all about these this group of people who are eternal, immortal type people. And at the start of the film, they learn that a new person has joined their immortal ranks and someone has discovered that they're immortal and wants to study them and do experiments on them. So they're kind of, working out finding this new person finding the person who's after them and figuring their shit out and it's very good it's a very good film hmm. and that's the end of the podcast <laughs> i was pleasantly surprised to find that this was directed by a black woman oh really I, yeah yeah gina prince bicewood did she do other movies or like yes. i know she's on the secret life of bees Oh, yeah, I like this movie. Yeah, she did The Secret Life of Bees. Oh, she did Love and Basketball. I don't know what this film is. Because you're not black. I'm sorry. But it's, <laughs> is Love and Basketball something I should watch then? I have to watch it again to see if it aged well, because okay. I don't know. But it was it was fun when I was, when I was younger. Yeah. Was, like, I, watched, I used to watch it when I was a teenager. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Regina Hall is in it. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it was, like, a, a very, like... um. Kind of like all the teen movie that you see, but with black people. Hmm. And it worked really well. It was very successful. And I know it was her. So, but that was a long time ago. That was in 2000 or something. So also the only editor that worked on it is a lady called Terilyn A. Shropshire, who's also a black woman. So both the director and editor were black women, which I don't think has ever happened on our podcast. But also like we had on the producers, several people who weren't white and also were women like Charlize Theron is one of the producers Dana Goldberg Ahmed Abunum which is probably not how you pronounce his name I'm very sorry Ahmed and then Kareem Abu Abayad a lot of people that I was writing this all down I was like I've nearly filled up a page of the people who are on here and a woman did the cinematography who also did the cinematography for One Night in Miami so I was I was pleasantly surprised by how like look this whole first page is taken up with just facts about the film. Because normally I just get director, white man. One woman was a producer, and then here are two characters, and then nothing for the Bechdel test. So that was nice. So 
we have a lot of characters that we can talk about. We've got Andy, who's played by Charlize Theron. She's the oldest immortal and the leader of the the gang, which sounds less cool than they are, the leader of the army. And there's Niall, who is played by a black woman who is the newest person to join the ranks of the immortal. So a lot of the film seems to be about Andy and Niall. They seem to be the two most prominent characters. And then in the army of the... I mean, she calls it an army, but I find it—I do find it hard calling just five group. people an army. It's like a group. Yeah, yeah. The, the immortals. We also have Joe and Nikki, both of whom are in a gay relationship together. And Joe is Dutch of Tunisian Tunisian descent. And then we have Copley, who's played by the guy from Kinky Boots, whose name has gone out of my mind, but he was great in Kinky Boots. <laughs> <laughs> Kinky Boots. Kinky Boots. Oh my god, Kinky Boots is a great film about a guy who runs a shoe factory up north or in the Midlands and it's failing. So he needs to come up. It's like his dad's shoe place. So he needs to come up with a plan of how to save the business. And he starts making shoes with like trans women because they were struggling to find shoes that fit them because their feet were really big. There was a whole like musical as well. Like with the Yeah, I remember the I heard about the musical. Yeah. yeah, but it was also that. a film, and Chiwetel Ejiofor, Ejiofor, who also is probably more known for Twelve Years a Slave, where I think he was nominated for Oscars. But I know, <laughs> I know him from Kinky Boots. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he plays the trans woman in Kinky Boots. Oh, yeah, he plays Lola in Kinky Boots, who's the trans woman who um, inspires this guy to start making shoes. Trans woman. Oh, it's wow. a really good film. Came out in two thousand five. So yeah, sorry, he plays Copley, who's kind of working for the bad guy, in air quotes. He is sort of doing research on these immortals and believes they can help cure loads of illnesses. And then we have Quinn, who's played by a Vietnamese woman, who is also one of the immortals that we don't really see much in the film because she was entombed and thrown in the ocean. So she's living hundreds of years by just drowning dying coming back to life that almost get, gave me a panic anxiety attack that was horrible it was like yeah the worst thing like i was like how can they how can i think they come up with the worst the worst death possible to a human mm-hmm. because you don't die yeah no or you die before hundreds and hundreds of years oh <laughs> it was horrible before we get into that, it passes both the female and intersectional backdial tests. Oh, yeah. Um, I think this is the on, the first movie I've done in this podcast that actually does it too. Because it was either like an old black cat with few women or either like very diverse, but the women are in existence. So, yeah. It, I mean, the female stuff is like just continuous because there's so much of just Andy and Niall together. Mm-hmm. And I thought, because I think when Lee and I watched it, there are moments when Niall and Copley are talking and I was like, one. Well, a lot of that isn't about the white people in the film. But then also she's talking to her, she's talking to her army friends, Jay and Dizzy, and they're talking about her wound. And I, I can't remember which one was which, but I know one of them was white, one of them wasn't white. Yeah, one is, one is Latino, I think. Yeah, that ticks off both of them without me needing to worry about it for the rest of the film. Yeah. So that was very pleasant. I enjoyed that a lot. And now should we talk about the film? So who had you both? Was this your first time seeing it? Mm. Yes. What did you think? I thought it was amazing. I, to be honest, the first like ten minutes, I was just like, 
oh, because I hadn't read anything about the film. I didn't know anything about the film. I went in like cold. Just yeah. cold. And it starts off looking like it's going to be some kind of like modern day army thing. So it's set, they go to the Sudan and Afghanistan and and I don't like films like that. Exactly. Like, I'm just not interested. It's going to be a group of guys with one woman and they're going to like go out and some more like kill people. And then I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? It was like, it was, so, I haven't had that experience watching a film in so long, like a plot twist like that in so long watching film it was very entertaining I loved it I definitely thought when Niall dies I was like classic black person gets killed off first and then she comes back to life and I was like oh cool (laughs) I was like oh my god this woman seems really cool oh now she's dead that's what happens all the time in films so yeah I had that same thing where I was like oh this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go at all because I also didn't know anything about it when I watched it and I thought that was such a clever way of setting it up as well you know setting it up as like just a classic war film or whatever and then within like I don't know yeah it feels like it was like the first 10 or 15 minutes it was just like so much happening and you're like just thrown around for me uh just like at Vega I, I didn't read anything about the movie didn't watch the trailer first it was like let's just like Let's go in it and see and see what happens. And I haven't seen like an action movie that I really liked in a very long time. And I thought it was good. I thought the actors were great. I also love how it was filmed. And now that you tell me it's done by women, I can see it. Like none of the women are like film in like a male gaze, I would say. And even when they fight, you can it's feel like less like they like I don't know. It feel like very real and the way they interact with each other there's no like none of the women have seen like as a sexual object uh, in in any way and they're strong and they're like I mean it was like everything that I wanted for an entertainment I would say and I think the first scene where they think they're rescuing the girls that have been kidnapped and they're I think they've been killed and they come back to life and Andy like whips out that axe I was like oh like getting chills because oh yeah, so so cool. cool. I do love action movies but I like films that are more fighting with swords and I'm not as keen on just gunfights constantly so I really love that this blended those together because obviously they've been around for a really really long time I think they say Andy isn't sure she even remembers how old she is she's like thousands and thousands of years old. yeah so I love that they blended like Older because she does fight with a sword as well at some point, and then she's also fighting with a gun at the same time. And I was like, This is so cool! But I was also (laughs) thinking about the way they were fighting, especially like Andy and Niall and the guys, to be honest. I was thinking about with the Matrix how I felt that everything was so elegant and it was like a choreography, like a dance. I felt like that with this film as well. It felt so choreographed and so beautiful and like when they jumped up and it's like it's not aggressive and hard it's more like a dance and they i don't know they just move so smoothly throughout these fighting scenes and it looks so effortless yeah but also i like the the fact you know when when uh shows around kill all those people in the church yeah. and you're like i thought also the scene was amazing but then you have the vision from niles like this is awful like she killed all those people by herself. Like she's a like a killer. 
and she's good at it and and then she realized how this is still killing people like you can put it, it can be beautiful but you're still taking somebody's life and i thought it was a good way to like kind of like put you back in your place like oh okay yeah this is not great like yeah okay yeah i like that because like andy's character seems to be very tormented like we learn that quinn obviously is imprisoned and that Andy searched for her for ages and couldn't find her and gave up and that she really that obviously weighs very heavily on her and at the start of the film she says something like the world can burn for all I care I'm done like it isn't getting any better it's getting worse and she's obviously got to a point where she's thousands of years old and I guess from her perspective she's like we're doing all this that we can to help people and it's people everything's still just really shit what's the point why are we even doing this so I like that she was very complex And then when she went to meet Niall, there was no, like, I like that you felt their relationship build into something of, like, respect and friendship. I like that Niall was questioning her all the time and wasn't just going along very meekly. She was like, who are you? Why are you doing this? Why is this happening? We should go and help her when she's fighting. Why is she off on her own? What's the signal? Like, she was constantly questioning what was going on. And Andy wasn't in any way maternal or caring or even really understanding when she went to go get her I was like she could have handled this in a much softer gentler way like I think when Niall met like the others Nikki was much more like like it's okay we understand this is a lot to take in and at no point was Andy like that but also neither of them apologized to each other Andy and Niall neither of them apologized for any of the fighting any of the the facts that Andy basically kidnapped Niall and then shot her and killed her like they didn't apologize for any of that And I I just really liked that they both felt rich and complex and real and different to characters that I've seen played by women on screen. Mm. I I agree with you. The whole like marginal thing that like she wasn't like she didn't want to be like mother to her. It wasn't this. She didn't she wasn't patronizing either, mm. but she was like, I've done my thing. I'm doing my thing and you you will follow and but you still have the code like you we have to stick together we have to like care for each other but she's hard and and I really like her character to be honest I was like can you imagine how many lives that she she lived and everything that she saw and I and you can get you can understand like, like she's tired Like mm -hmm. when you live all these lives and you've done all the things, you're just like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm done. And I think it makes sense that Joe and Nikki are a bit softer and maybe more in tune with their emotions because they're in love. And I think Booker at one point, who's the other immortal in the film and ends up betraying them, he sort of says to them, like, you guys don't know what it feels like to feel lonely. You have each other and you always have, whereas we don't have that. And I hadn't really thought about how I was like, oh, yeah, they're never going to have that unless you happen to fall in love with someone like them. And that hasn't happened for 200 years. So it must be really lonely. And just to keep going. I do have to say, I love the relationship, mm. the the way they talk to each other. Oh, my God. The scene in the uh, when they're like, being kidnapped and they like telling how much they love each other. And you can see like all the macho evil people around them and they just like don't care about this they just like love each other it's it's so cute I love it I love the relationship yeah so like every time I think one of them is killed the other one is like you okay like is there waiting for them to make sure they wake up because what we learn in the film people who haven't seen it is that whilst they are immortal at some point that immortality ends which I also think is such a cool thing to add because it means that every time one of them dies there is that fear of 
is this it is that person coming back mm. so they do still value life and each other and they never know when it's going to happen they never know if that's going to be the last time they see that person or not and in that van I really loved that one of the guys who had kidnapped them was like oh is he your boyfriend or something and I think it was Joe was like you're so your child and therefore your humor is childish and then he goes like I think I wrote some of it down because it was I was like oh my god like this man is more to me than you can dream he's not my boyfriend he's all and he's more and I was like holy shit you you don't see a lot of like gay relationship in movies this way anyway you always see you I don't know it's usually stereotype of cliches and this relationship is very cute and they just love each other and they just have yeah it's very well done I have to say so to that point as well it's just it's also effortless and there's no issues in the relationship because I feel like a lot of the time like relationships that are not like hetero or straight relationships pictured on film always needs to have like some sort of issue or drama or trauma attached to it it needs to be like someone discovering they're gay or someone finds out like their partner has been cheated like you, you always has to have some sort of drama attached to it but this was just like an effortless love and they love each other endlessly I mean they're immortal so I guess that's a bit of a weird one but still like yeah I just find that mm-hmm. nice as well I agree with you I thought it was very effortless and but all the relationship like the fact that there's a lot of the cast is very diverse it's never like a, it's it's done in a way that it doesn't seem forced it yes. seems like they had to do it. It's just like, this is how life is. Yeah. And this is the characters. And we don't question whether, like the fact that they lived in different country in Europe and like one of the guys like looks like he's from the Middle East. It doesn't define them, which I think it's amazing. And even the, the gay relationship, it doesn't like say like, oh, this is, we had to put like the gay couple in the story. It's just like, this is a gay couple, that's it. Yeah. I also love their story that when they sort of died, they were killing each other. And then they kept killing each other, like, until they realized they were immortal, both of them. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, because Nikki at one point says, oh, the love of my life was of the people I was told to hate. Because they then revealed they both fought in the Crusades. But Nala's figuring out how old they are. And it's like, what? <laughs> the Crusades? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I found like all of them together as a group felt very it did feel really natural and it it felt very believable that they were a group of people who'd spent all this time together who were a family and were complex within that and I think part of the reason why the fighting is so is almost is so choreographed is because they've been doing it together for so long that they're now just perfected the art of doing that and fighting together and like the bit where Andy says I think actually, no, Joe says something like, oh, we're going to do it like this place at this time. She was like, no, I was thinking Sao Paulo 34 or whatever she says. Yeah. I was like, imagine having all those references to fire back on. And then later with Niall, she pulls Niall in on something like that as well, like, and calls back to something that they'd experienced together. So even though Niall's really new, she still brought immediately into the fold of, we already have these shared experiences together. And we can use that to our advantage against the bad guy who happens to be Dudley Dursley from Harry Potter. I know! <laughs> I know! I was like, how, where did I miss this guy 
before. I was like looking where it was going from. I was like, this is Harry Potter. Oh my God. Also, so, so perfect as like a villain tech guy. Yeah. Like I thought the casting was so good for that. Oh man, he was such, yeah, like the, the guy who thinks he's doing good for the world, but actually all he cares about it, is money. I don't think he does think he's doing good. I think he's being, because that's, you know, even at the beginning, when the historian, I don't know what it was, like the guy from the CIA used to work for the CIA. Oh, Copley. Yeah. yeah. Kinky Boots. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. The guy from Kinky Boots, yeah. No, no, no. No, the black guy. Um... Chiwetel from Kinky Boots. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, him, yeah. when the first time that he gave them the immortals, and he's like, but this is not for profit. And you can see, he's like, yeah, yeah, it is for profit. Like, of course, you can help the world or whatever. But mostly, it's like, it, it's like a mix of like Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos for me, mm. in a way, in the character of like those men who think they're kind of doing something good, but really, it's about ego and about money. Mm-hmm. And the way he was dressed as well felt perfect for that kind of like white man who's doing tech stuff. And he was like, he had a shirt, but no tie, but then he also had his hoodie and his, and I was like putting him next to Copley. He was dressed like, I don't think he had a tie on, but he was very smart and was obviously very professional. And I was like, I can't imagine him as a black man being allowed to turn up to work with a hoodie on underneath his suit jacket. Whereas Merrick, the white man can. Also, I really loved it when he had added these axes and just stood like on the stairs. And I was like, just hold, having an axe does not make you powerful. You look so silly. (laughs) Yeah, so good. I think when Lee and I watched it, he was like, oh, like Merrick's going to end up like killing her with that axe, isn't he? Like he's going to get the last word. And then obviously that didn't happen. And we were like, because I think that is what would happen in. Well, not always, but... Actually, she thought she was going to die. Yeah. yeah. Well, they are doing another one. I checked, and it's on Charlize's um, it, IMDb. is like, in production. So that's good, because I want to find out what happens with Quinn. And, ooh. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I was like, they... Also, I feel like, why hasn't this film gotten more attention? Me too. Yeah. It sort of flew under the radar a bit. Like, was this even in cinemas, or was it, like, a Netflix release? I think it came out during the lockdowns. Um, so it is a Netflix movie specifically but I remember I feel like when it came out I know Leeds said oh we should watch it but I don't know whether he was like or people have said it's really good or whether I'd heard that I don't know but it definitely like I don't think I know anyone else who's watched it and never heard of it before you actually mentioned it but I actually feel it's uh it's too bad because it's very good I mean I'm glad they're at least making a second one because I was worried that obviously it ends in a way that is very suggestive of there's going to be another one Mm. and I want another one. But the thing is, the way they ended it, because she seems like not happy about like, I don't know what's going to happen because she's not dead, obviously. And you're just like, okay, so... Well, I think this is her supervillain time for Quinn because, I mean, I think they say at some point, like, she's just going to go crazy in that coffin underwater which, yeah. you know, she's been tortured for hundreds of years. I want to know how she got out. Yes. Because all we get is her being like, hey, Booker, I've heard so much about you or it's nice to finally meet you or something. I was like, how does she even know who Booker is? I wonder if she has like a Yuma Thurman, you know, Kill Bill thing when she's like doing the little... Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a little finger, yeah. finger punch. I'm pretty sure it's because <laughs> when the when that happened, 
she became because she started to see things also because she could we could see each other like have nightmares about each other so i think that's how they know about each other mm-hmm. and when because now could see her suffering just like it was today so i'm pretty sure she got maybe she just got let go like very recently i thought that too i was like well it must have happened between like niall having that dream and then the six months later like within that six months i was like how did she get that how has this happened oh my god i want to know more maybe it was like a fishing bolt that sort of got her up and they were like what the fuck there's like a woman in here and she just killed slayed everyone on the ship. Yeah, i'm she, like, pretty sure she did yeah, yeah she must be very hangry when the when she like left the thing i found that bit where they they were both caught andy and quinn i can't remember whether they said it was england during the witch trials or new england don't remember because but they were caught during the witch trials and then they were like hung and were just killed in loads of ways and I was like, oh, it's interesting that they've chosen to have their capture be during the witch trials where women were being killed by men. And I, oh, what is, I think I wrote down what the priest said to Andy when they took Quinn away. You're too powerful together. Oh, yeah. For creatures such as you, there is no salvation. You're too powerful together. And obviously, we, we don't know whether they've been killing loads of people at that point in that. Because I know Andy said we always fight for good, but possibly for that man, that meant killing people he loved we don't know but i just thought it was interesting that they chose to do it during the witch trials when a lot of women did die because they were witches and obviously they weren't witches but they also weren't dying yeah and you can tell how much it's obviously affected andy that because i think niall says to her like well why do you blame yourself and she's like i lost a soldier and that's my that's on me it's my fault it's very sad but I guess she couldn't really do anything about it, to be honest. Well, because it's not like they have superpowers. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, yeah. I do wonder how, because I think Booker says to Niall or Andy was alone for a very long time before she found Quinn. I was just like, what must that do to someone that you're alone for all those hundreds of years watching everyone you care about die and there's no one that you can share this with? You're just on your own. I also did wonder, I was like, I wonder if her and Quinn are friends or whether there's something more going on. I like the fact that they didn't do anything about it also. Yeah, I kind of like the mystery. And I, I like that the only romance in the film was between Joe and Nikki. Yes. It did also feel like I was like, maybe Booker and Andy at some point had a thing. I don't know. Because I think... Yeah, well, what I thought with their relationship, though, which I thought was so nice, is that you never really see, like, straight men and male and female relationships like that when they're so loving like when she was like it's you and me booker against the world it's always you and me like she would say this thing soon but i feel feel like from like if it was from a friend point of view but it was just so loving and like caring which you don't really see that often i feel in like straight friendship relationships Mm -hmm. like that yeah and that they were teasing each other all the time as well which so made it more heartbreaking when he betrayed them yeah. Um, and she's like asking him why. I was like, oh, she's such a good actress. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, the fact that he betrayed them is just like, it kind of felt like, I, I don't that, know. That was the only part of the film I didn't find that believable, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Same thing. I got his rationale that he was like, I want to find a way to stop it because I'm fed up with this. But I, I was like, I, I don't know whether I can picture him betraying them like that 
And also it seems very naive, like either it's very naive that they will be like help actually helping him. It seems very unlikely. So yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, or he didn't realize they were gonna be like tortured essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I found that a bit weird. I was like, I don't I don't know whether maybe in the comics it's built up over a longer time that we see it happening. Whereas through this, it just went from like Niall realizing that he'd given Andy blanks in her gun. And then she comes back to rescue Andy. Oh my god, I love that Niall got to rescue them all. Yeah. And like to sort of flip the idea of the white saviour on its head and that she went in with the guns. And then when Copley was like, you can't go in there on your own. And she was like, out of the two of us, I'm the one who's going to come out of this alive. <laughs> Stay here. <laughs> I, I am immortal. You are not. So good. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Really good. It's good. I also really loved that when they were getting out with Andy, they all literally had her back so she couldn't get shot and they were all taking bullets for her. And I was like... They all love each other so much. I have to say the choreography is amazing. It was very well done. And they're like, I love action movies too. And I think this one was well done. It wasn't too much. And every time the choreography, like the way they fought was amazing. Mm. It felt brutal without it being actually brutal. I think that's because they were mixing the weapons they used. And that whenever they shot someone, because obviously they've been using guns for a very long time, and Niall is a trained soldier, they were getting headshots straight away. And yeah. it was just like instant, like bang, bang, bang. And suddenly all those people were dead. I was like, oh, I think you really felt how dangerous they were through the way that they fought without them having to show loads of blood and gore. And I like the fact that, I mean, Niall is, is a soldier. So you understand why she's actually very good at fighting because, you know, like you see a lot of movies when like they become like, like within a minute, you become this badass like soldier and like fighter and like you would not like how like this is this doesn't make sense but here you have a logic so it's fine yeah and she was so I, I don't know what her rank was in the army but I know when we first meet her she seems in charge of the friends who are with her I really love that she so they're trying to find a man who I'm guessing is doing bad things that they need to <laughs> They need to find him. I mean, like, he's a terrorist. Like, they find there we go. Yeah, that he's building. Okay, sorry. He's a, so he's a terrorist that they're trying to find. And they talk to some of the women, the Afghan women. Do you say it is Afghan women, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So she goes to speak to the Afghan women and she says to her soldiers, like, keep it respectful. And I like that she treats them as people like she removes her helmet to talk to them she starts speaking to them in their language as much as she can and then she manages to get information from them without endangering their lives and I just I really liked that she was oh and at the end she says well thank you for allowing us into your home and even though I think everyone there knows that they could have forced the women to let them in there or whatever. I like that she is acknowledging that this is their home and we're encroaching on their space. They're people, we should treat them like that. I just really like that. And that even when she kills that guy, she's obviously horrified. She's like, because I think she says to Andy, like, we're just trained to do that double shot and it came naturally. And then I realized I'm going to kill this person and she tries to save his life. And that's obviously when she gets killed. Yeah. I really liked Niall. 
Yeah, me too. And I think that also showed so much of her like character when she's actually trying to save the terrorists that they're out to get. And by doing that, she gets killed herself. So obviously her like defenses are down because she's like desperately trying to save that person. Because otherwise, as a trained Marine as she is, she would have seen like him pulling out a knife. But I think she must have been so upset by the situation like having shot him trying to save his life that she just didn't realize mm -hmm. yeah oh the other thing i didn't find very believable is how all of her friends reacted oh, when she was yeah. alive i was like why are you all so angry with her like i would probably be like well that's fucking weird yeah. that heals very quickly but i wouldn't be like get away from me which yeah. Which is kind of the vibes they were giving off of like I know something's it's wrong with you. Weird because like her friends saw it and it's not there. Is that like so I was trying to understand what do you think happened? Yeah. Do you think she lied to you? Like what like you saw the blood. It wasn't like it was real. So I don't I was like, I don't understand what you're trying to say here. That yeah. she, and then they're trying to like they push her away basically. She's sent she's been sent away, and you're just like, why? Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. I don't know whether the film was doing it just to show that the immortals are alone and no one understands them, but that bit felt a bit clumsy. Because I was like, I can't imagine like one of you guys, me seeing you have your throat cut and then you live. I wouldn't be like, why are you alive? I nearly saw you die. I'd be like, oh my god, that's great, you're alive. Can we have a chat about how quickly you healed though? That's interesting. How's that come about? Okay, first of all, I'm hoping that that never happens. You never see someone oh, in my throat. So <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that... I was just trying to put myself in her shoes. <laughs> yeah. No, I hope this happens. No, but it's just like my life is not that interesting. Don't worry. You don't have to think about this. Well, that's fine. But I, I'm just saying, if I were Niall's friends, <laughs> I can't imagine reacting in that way. Oh. They just seem really annoyed with her. Yeah, it was so strange. And I was also like, because then I started thinking, are they like superstitious that they think it's some sort of supernatural thing? But then I was like, I feel like also if you're in the military, I feel like you're very logical or like you would start to think like something must have happened, you know, something logical. Or you would just be very worried being like, what the fuck? Like, what happened? Am I sane? Are you sane? Like, are we are we fine? I, I just, yeah, the whole thing about being aggressive, like that didn't feel natural. You would be like confused or a bit, yeah, upset. Yeah, like you'd definitely question it and be like, this is strange. Yeah. But I can't imagine then like shunning that person. No. <laughs> I think why they sent her away though, wasn't that because they were going to do tests on her? Like the military was going to do tests on her. Yeah. Oh. I did not yeah. get that. Okay. I think that's why they sent her ways. It was not because she was like banned from them. But yeah. Because well, he, yeah. The sergeant or whoever it was who spoke to her said, Oh, yeah, we're sending you to wherever for more tests. And she was like, But I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. It was like the plane leaves yeah. now or whatever he said. Oh, I, I missed that. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That's what he said. That, that, that makes sense. I really like that we got to see Copley be very intelligent and also again very complicated he's i think i feel like the only one dimensional character really is merrick yeah fine with me because we have enough complicated white men in the world but i like that with copley there's a reason behind why he's doing this and i think 
although he was expecting Merrick to take samples from them, I don't think he was expecting them to hold them hostage and decide. Because I think Merrick was referring to them as his product. Yeah. yeah. And Copley's like, they're real people. And obviously he then he does all of that work as well behind like fine so he's the one who discovers who they are Mm -hmm. which I love as well that he gets to be this very smart intelligent man and also that at the end he does when he's realized like this is not what I wanted and because I think doesn't he doesn't his wife die of a a neurodegenerative disease yeah Yeah, that's what he says like and the end she couldn't she couldn't talk she couldn't breathe so it was a very slow death and he was Mm. hoping that having them will help and that's when Niall's like, it wasn't your gift to take. And I think he realises that and he's like, yeah, this is not what I thought. So I like that he then ends up helping them. And at the end, Andy's like, right, you're going to make sure that we're hidden from the world and you're going to find us jobs. And he was like, okay. Good. He becomes like their Charlie in Charlie's Angels. <gasps> oh, so God, yeah. oh, yeah, true. Oh, or like Barsley. Yeah. My God, we need to do Charlie's Angels in this podcast at some point. That is a shit show of a film to watch now. I haven't Which watched one? a new one. I haven't Both watched a new one. The old ones. As in I like watched... the Cameron Diaz. Yeah. Oh, I watched the new one and I actually liked it. Yeah? Yeah, I didn't mind it. I found it a bit boring. Really? Yeah. I actually like because I like Elizabeth Banks and she's the one who I think she directed this movie. Yeah, she did, yeah. And uh, I actually like Kristen Stewart, which I thought I would not like her because I'm not a Twilight fan like some people. Okay, thank you for outing me to the podcast. I was just... <laughs> I think we have to make this clear because one day you're going to be ashamed to be a big fan of Twilight. Uh, I, oh, I wonder how much my signed Eclipse book is worth, if anything. Oh, my God. Because I don't think she did many signings in the UK because I posted on Facebook that Stephanie Meyer should come to the UK to see her UK fans and that she should stop forgetting about us because we're here too. It was a really angsty tweet that whenever, a uh, message, that whenever it comes up on my time hop, I'm like, fucking hell, Joe, calm down. <laughs> Why are you getting so angry at Stephanie Meyer? Chill out. Okay, I just said you like Twilight. Now you went to a whole tirade about how you forced the author to come to the UK. You're yeah. doing this yourself. What can I say? I I quite like Kristen Stewart generally, but yeah, she was cool in that film. I just, something about it felt a bit off, but I don't know what it was. Anyway, we rate this film. Yeah, I was going to say, is there anything else? Oh, the only thing I wanted to add is that I really liked the moment where Andy goes to the pharmacy to get help, and the woman there helps her without question, and when Andy's like, we haven't asked why I've been stabbed. Oh, yeah. And the woman's like, you need help. What does it matter why? And I just thought that was really so lovely. Nice. And obviously, I think something Andy needed to see, that there's kindness and humanity in that it's worth carrying on doing good things. And also two women not talking about a man. Perfect. It reminded me a bit about, you know, if you work in an office, which is predominantly male, and someone comes up to you and be like, hey, do you have a tampon or a pad? That was like the same vibe I got. Yeah. <laughs> You just give me. You just been stabbed, but that's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> it's blood. blood. Yeah, and well, that's true. Not this violent, though. <laughs> I think. I think that's it. Okay, so should we? I think rating this one was going to be easy, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to give it ten out of ten. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, well, me too. Done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. It is a fan fresh movie. Woo! Woo!
yeah I mean I think it should be noted this film did come out in 2020 mm-hmm. and it's it's nice that things are changing but I think all of our films that we've given femme fresh ratings to have been post 2000 they've been in this century decade century century <laughs> sorry oh you mean in 2000 okay yeah after two, I was like yeah I mean yeah of course like before it was a long time ago yeah I was trying to think of like wait when is it which one is which but we got there they've all been within this century the 2000s we haven't found one pre-2000 that has been femme fresh yet it could happen Mm -hmm. cool well I guess we don't need to discuss anymore except that this is a great film Um, and I should have said at the start go on to Netflix and watch it first (laughs) (laughs) so that you don't have it spoiled for you yeah, I don't think we told the whole story how it ends and everything. Like, if you haven't watched it, you can still enjoy it. I mean, it's an action movie to be so. At the end of the day, it's a bunch of people being killed, and uh, with a lot of diverse, with a very diverse cast. That was the only thing I was gonna say about this film. Like, I love everything about it. I thought it was amazing, amazing. But in terms of like the main sort of story arc of Merrick and him, like getting them into the lab, like. I thought that was pretty weak. And I think maybe it was just because I didn't like Merrick as a character. But then I'm also like, it's an action film. Like the storyline doesn't need to be super strong. That's what I think too. Yeah. And then I think maybe it's set up for like a sequel with a more sort of interesting, because this was sort of like the establishing movie. Yeah. And maybe in like a sequel and even like if they do a third or fourth film, you can like dive deeper into the immortality part of the yeah the supernatural mm. part of the group yeah I'm very interested to see like what's happened with Quinn like and what's going to happen with that so I think that's like yeah she's obviously got history with them she's been tortured for hundreds of years and presumably she's going to be the next villain and that is going to be far more interesting than Merrick and all of his shit I, I do think it's interesting that traditionally society has sort of said well women like chick flicks and that's what women watch and men like action films and that's what men watch and actually a that's not true but b like something like this is so exciting to watch and we're watching women fighting and it's exciting and obviously women like you can like action films anyway but I don't know about you guys, but I've never been bothered by things like The Expendables and all those very macho male action movies. Mm. Whereas something like this, I'm like, well, this is just really cool and it's got really good fighting in it and the characters are really great and it doesn't just have to be a macho, macho man. Macho, (laughs) macho man. And that maybe the problem is just that there are too many men in films and that it's... (laughs) (laughs) And that it's very boring. But I think also, like, I'm not an action film expert, but I think there needs to be, like, there's different ingredients in an action film. You have the tension and you have the action. And I think in a lot of action films, there's just too much action and not enough tension. Because, like, you need that. You need the breaks and the pauses. It's like... Films with head fake. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love this. I love that you're dissecting it, that you can be like, yeah, this is what the problem is. And I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. You're right. (laughs) If you have too much action, I can't come up with an example now, but I watched a film fairly recently that was just like, bam, 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 bam. Like, it's just like a lot of things happening all the time. But what you really need is like a really good good build up and then like action, action. 
and then it needs to like come down and drop and like build up because that's what keeps you like in the loop and like you have the suspense and you're like wanting to know more and you know wanting to see what happens yeah uh, oh it was the bond film the newest bond film oh. Oh, too much shit is happening constantly like also directed by a woman though yeah oh, i didn't know that i have to say i prefer uh this movie than the the last uh james bond which i thought mm. I, I mean and the thing is i actually like the character in this movie even the the bad ones i like I didn't like the bad guy in the last James Bond. I was like, I don't really like him. And also, I think the problem is, I haven't seen the one. Rami Malek. Rami yeah. Malek, yeah. So I haven't seen the movie before, the mm. the, David, the Daniel Craig movies with him, uh, for James Bond. And then they all related to each other. Because uh-huh. I haven't watched those. I didn't really care about the, the characters, really. Yeah. I was like, I don't know them. I don't know who they are. And they seem to know each other for a long time. I just don't know them. Okay, right, let's end this podcast. So our first Femme Fresh of season two. Well done. Yay, finally. It's only taken us however many films in we are. Um, So yeah, well done, The Old Guard. Go watch it if you haven't seen it already. It is truly a delight. And another great film that Charlize Theron is in. So if you want to let us know what you thought of this film, whether you'd heard of it before the podcast, because I'm intrigued about people who actually watched it when it came out and what they thought then you can let us know on Facebook and Instagram at Real Feminism. That's real spell R-W-E-L. Thank you very much to Corrine and Hevig for joining me today for our chat. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much to Lee for doing the editing, producing artwork and just generally bringing life and light to my day. What a beautiful human being he is. I can see him on the screen right now. He looks great. Thank you very much to Sandra for the music you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast. Thank you to me for being here. Good job, me. And we'll be back in your ears in two weeks' time where we're going to talk about Clueless, a film I've never actually seen. So until then, bye. Bye. Bye.